pray one more time and then we're gonna jump in. This is part three of knowing God. And so, Lord, we wanna know you. God, thank you that you have made a way for us to know you. God, you, you made us, you created us, you designed us to be in relationship with you. God, our, our brokenness has, has made that difficult, in fact, impossible without your rescue. And so Jesus, thank you that just as we've celebrated communion this morning, we're remembering that you made a way for us to be reconciled with you, God, that we could know you. Thank you that you love us and you redeem us and that we can grow in relationship with you. God, I, I pray more and more that, that we would become intimate and familiar with you. God, thank you for this mystery that you both make yourself known and yet on some level, you're mysterious, you're glorious, you're unknown, yet you invite us to seek you and know you and discover you. So thank you for that journey. Thank you for that invitation. God, would you help us be rooted in a right relationship with you? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I, was, so I was thinking about this this week. You know, there, there was a lot in the, in the book this week, and there is every week, just on the nature of God, what he's like, his attributes, his characteristics. And I, I thought about maybe exploring several of those, but, but really what I want to do this morning is talk about how we get to know this God that has all of these attributes, all of these characteristics. I mean, the nature of God, that's like a big thing. You know, if you watched the video this week, uh, Pastor Dave even mentioned, you know, he just created all these little videos that just explored 101 attributes of who God is. I mean, there's a lot there to discover. So, you know, if you want to strap in, we'll just do a sermon on those 101 attributes and, you know, you can get out of here in a few days. Um, there's a lot to discover. So, so it's a journey to discover God. And so I want to talk about how do we do that? And so just wanted to open with this little kind of, kind of thing. I, I'm a really big fan of, of marine life, water animals. I, I love Shark Week. It's like one of my favorite weeks every year. You know, I just love all of the different videos. It never gets old watching these videos of these sharks. And, but one of the things I, I really think is fascinating is deep sea water creatures. Like it's kind of unbelievable if you think about it. So I got a couple pictures to show you. So if we're ready, the first one here, this is called a glass octopus. Isn't that so cool? Look at how translucent it is. This thing is just, is, is floating, hanging out thousands of feet. This one is found at 6,000 feet. 6,000 feet under the water. You're not gonna see that just kind of cruising on the surface of the ocean. Uh, you're definitely not gonna see that in just, you know, the Tennessee River out here, for sure. 6,000 feet, that's fascinating. And it looks incredible, and yet most of us will never, ever see that, at least in person, right? It's fascinating. All right, next picture. Okay, this is the barrel eye fish. And it's got this translucent, like, forehead, I guess. And here's what's fascinating about this guy. His eyes actually look up through his translucent head as he swims. He has the ability to pivot them and look forward, but he looks up so he can see the plankton hanging on bigger fish and kind of go up and get food. This guy is so hard to find. 
um, those little like undersea rovers that go down, in, in this fish's habitat, they did over 5,600 dives and saw it nine times. Nine times, that's it. Isn't it fascinating to think that our God created creatures that would be undiscovered by humans for thousands of years just because he thought this will be pretty cool. He enjoys it. He gets to see him. He enjoys it. And he's going, there's going to be a point in human history where they figure out just because they're curious and they want to discover and they want to explore, they're going to figure out a way to get deep enough to see these things. I mean, think about this. Without God being this creative, we wouldn't have, go ahead, next slide, Andrew. We would never know about SpongeBob and Patrick. We would never know about these guys if we couldn't explore the depths of the ocean. Okay, that was my silly joke. With the, how many of you kids even know who SpongeBob is? Is that even like a thing anymore? Okay, we got a couple, some older kids in here know. Okay, Alex loves SpongeBob, yeah. Anyway, how cool is that though? God created these things for us to discover and he was patient enough to say, it'll be cool when they finally get there. I love that. And so friends, as, as we talk about this this morning, I just wanna encourage you, kind of our first point today is simply this, the nature of God, knowing God. Friends, we gotta explore. We gotta learn to have some divine curiosity that wants to know him. If we just settle for, like, I've heard the story, I know Jesus died on the cross, I'm forgiven, I'm good, we're missing it. The power of what Jesus did on the cross can never be, um, we, can, we can never speak too highly of it. But we need to understand that is our entry point into a relationship of discovery that's meant to last a lifetime here on earth and on into eternity. See, he is so amazing and glorious that one lifetime isn't enough time to discover all there is to know about him. We need all eternity to do that. But friends, let's get started. When I get to heaven, I wanna both recognize him because I've invested in that relationship. Like, oh, I'm not gonna need Peter to introduce me to Jesus. I'm gonna see Jesus and know that's him. I'm gonna know it when I see him. That's my savior. Because something has been cultivated and developed. And so I'm gonna recognize him and yet I'm gonna go, I thought I knew you, but I never fully understood. Let's have a heart to explore. So I wanna talk about this just a little bit. Point number one, explore. First of all, uh, Paul talks about this. When, when Paul is talking to the Athenians, he's in Athens and he goes to Mars Hill. And you know, they, he said, in some ways you're very religious because you've kind of created all these different idols to try to grapple with or understand the divine. You've kind of created these gods because they would see an aspect of the divine in the sun. They would see an aspect of the divine just in human beauty. They would see an aspect of the divine in a river that brought life. And so they would create these gods out of all of these little attributes that were a reflection of the God. 
And Paul shows up and he, you know, they've got this one little spot and he sees it. And it's this statue to the unknown God because they, they understood there are still things we haven't discovered. There's probably a God we don't know. Well, what they didn't realize is all of this was just a reflection of the one true God. And so Paul taps into this sense that there is a God still to be known, still to be discovered. And I'm just gonna, gonna grab a couple of verses, verse 23, and then I'm gonna skip down to verse 27 and 28. You can read the whole story on your own. It's awesome. But Paul says these words, Acts 17, verse 23. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown this I proclaim to you. See, God has given us prophets who gave us the scriptures. He gave us apostles. He gave us people who received from God who he is, what he's like, his nature, his character. And so we have the inspired words of scripture so that the God who is inferred from creation but not fully known through creation could become known, could be discovered, could be understood. And so Paul said, I'm here to share something wonderful with you. There is an unknown God. Let me tell you all about him. And so he goes on and begins to talk about it. Verse 27, he says, why, why am I telling you about this unknown God? Why does he exist? Why is he here for us to discover? God is there for us to discover so that, verse 27, that they, we, should seek God and perhaps feel our way toward him and find him. Yet, he is not actually far from each one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Paul's saying, listen, if we don't know him, we should. And friends, here's the deal. If we do know him, we can always know him more fully. Think about what he's describing. He says, hey, there is this mysterious element of a God in the universe, but he wants to be known. He wants us to seek him. There's a difference between being shrouded in mystery and being completely unable to discover. God has created this thing in us that wants to explore, that wants to discover. He placed that in there. There's something in me that is eager to go learn things and see things and experience things that I haven't. It's a God-given innate desire. And he placed that within us that we might seek him, feel, is some of the words being used, feel for him, move towards him, and find him. And Paul says this is crucial because in reality, he's not far away from us. In fact, our entire life is anchored in him. My very essence, at my core, in my very being, I am dependent upon God. It's in him that I'm even alive. On practical levels, in him, I move around. Like I can only move because he gave me a body. He gave me lungs that breathe. He gave me eyes to see. He, he gave me the ability to move. The scripture says he sustains us. He holds the universe together. In him, we live and move and have our being. 
See, this goes beyond just my physical, like my purpose as a person, why I exist is rooted in him. And so why wouldn't I explore this God who made me, who sustains me, and who gives me purpose? Friends, if you're looking for purpose in life, it's going to be found in him, in him. And so we explore Friends, what I love about this is Paul is talking in a place of worship and telling them this is how you can worship the unknown God. Think about this. Exploring the nature of God is worship. It's worship. Look, I'll I'll prove to you. Just think about this. Have, Have you ever done the hard work of climbing a mountain? And like when you're in the process, right, all you see is like the trail in front of you. A lot of times there's kind of trees over your head, like you have a limited view and it's like, I'm sweating, I'm tired. I hope I brought enough water. Wish I had some snacks, right? It's like that whole deal. It's, it's, it's work, but you're putting one foot in front of the other. And then this, this thing happens. When I get where I'm going and I see the waterfall, I reach the mountaintop and I look out. That ground that I had tread, now I see the big picture view of it and we just go, whoa. And if you're like me, once you get there, you hang out for a while. I wanna take it in. I wanna even take a picture so I can remember this. Like staring out at the expanse on the top of a mountain looking at that beautiful waterfall. Friends, we're worshiping. We may not even realize that's what we're doing, but we're worshiping. Friends, let's worship him by having our hearts set on exploration. Let me get to know the nature of this God who loves me. May we never lose sight of that exploration. See, here's the deal. Some elements of exploration are about like going into the unknown. You know, one of my favorite things is snorkeling and I don't get a lot of opportunity to do that. I've never been scuba diving, which would be really cool to go deeper, but I love to snorkel. And over the course of my life, I've had the opportunity to snorkel in a couple of cool places. My wife and I on our honeymoon went to Maui. Um, That was my favorite place to snorkel. We swam with turtles. It was incredible. We actually got up really close to them in the water. It was fascinating. Um, I've gotten to snorkel a little bit in the Dominican Republic. Um, not as exciting. I've, I've snorkeled along the Emerald Coast in the panhandle of Florida. It's just a lot of sand. Every now and then you get lucky and see a little fish, but I just, I love to do it. It's like this whole world under there, right? It's like Sebastian, under the sea. Like I just got to explore. Here it is better, where it is wetter, under the sea. Did I get the lyrics right? Yeah. It took me a minute this week to remember Sebastian's name but I got there eventually. I didn't have to look it up. I didn't cheat and go to Google. I remembered. It's been years since I saw uh, The Little Mermaid, but anyway, I digress big time. But there's something fun about going to places you don't know that you've never been and exploring them, and that's fun. But one of the things I've discovered that I really enjoy, especially since we've been here in Knoxville, you know, we moved to a new town, and I've enjoyed exploring the place I live. And see, here's the cool thing about knowing God. There's an element of going out into the unknown and discovering him. So there's there's the joy of going to a new place, experiencing new things, going, this is really cool. But there's also the joy 
of returning home to what's familiar and comfortable, what fits us, the place we like to be where we feel settled. And see, that's the beauty of God because in him we live and move and have our being. We're both exploring the unknown and we're becoming familiar with the place called home. And so as, as I've lived in Knoxville, like I've gotten to know its waterways. I've, I've gone out into the mountains, but I've also explored like restaurants, which I love. And I've gotten to know people in Knoxville. I've built relationships. And so I explore and it becomes more like home as I explore and discover the people, the food, the locations. Is this making sense? And so I want to move us now to a passage where we're going to spend kind of the rest of our time together, together this morning. Um, this is 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to end up reading verses uh, 2. We're going to end up going all the way through verse 8. But just for right now, we're going to read verses 2 and 3. This idea of exploring and yet finding ourselves at home with him. And so I love that both Paul and Peter, right, some of these key guys that, that told us about who God is, that invite us into a relationship with him, they, they have this mentality of exploring and discovering God. And so Peter puts it, puts it this way. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Can we just pause right there? Would anyone like grace and peace to be multiplied in your life? Man, I do. Cool. Here's how. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. You know how to have peace grow in our life? You know how to find yourself at home with grace? Abiding in peace? It's growing in our knowledge of God. As we grow in our knowledge of him, we get to know the one who carries grace everywhere he goes. In fact, it's his presence where we find grace. We discover the one who is the prince of peace. So if, he, if I know him and he's the prince of my life, he's ruling in my life, then his peace reigns in my life. And so it's through knowledge. Verse three, his divine power, that's one of his attributes, part of his nature, his divine power, the unique power that only God has. It's through his divine power that he's granted to us all things. Can you say all things? All things that pertain to life. Anything I need pertaining to life, he's given me the ability to have access to it. To life and godliness. Everything for my life and from being connected to his life, he's made available to me through his power. How? Well, Peter's just making it really clear. The same thing he said one verse ago. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. He has a unique glory and excellence that he wants us to become familiar with. And so through knowledge of getting to know what he is like, through exploring who he is, then more and more this, this life, it permeates. Okay, so we explore. So what does this ex exploration do? Friends, exploration is meant to lead to a way of life. And that's point two this morning. Exploration is meant to lead to partaking. Not just 
seeing what he's like, not just filling my head with information about him, partaking of his nature. Look at the next verse, verse four. By which, okay, this power that he's made available to know him. So by knowing him, by exploring, by discovering, he's granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. That should stop every one of us in our tracks. He's enabled us to explore and discover and have knowledge of what he is like and and rooted in what he's like are some beautiful promises that are valuable, they're rich, they're precious, and they're available to us as we partake of his divine nature. This is how we escape, he says, from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. See, friends, the work of the cross frees me from the guilt of sin, the shame related to sin, the ultimate consequences of death that come from sin, but I am set free from that so I can discover and enjoy the life that's found in him. And so the way I break free from those old destructive patterns that rip me off is I step into first exploring who God is and then partaking of his character, partaking of it. That word partake, partakers, it means partner or companion. And it has the same root word as as the Greek word koinonia. Y'all ever heard that word, koinonia? It's where we get our word fellowship. When When you read about fellowship in the New Testament, that's koinonia. And so it's the same idea. I partake, I'm in communion, I'm in partnership with God in the same way that we are meant to fellowship with one another. When we fellowship, it is about hanging out, but friends, it's about partaking of him together. Together we're partaking of him. We do that physically when we take communion. Like we're pausing to say, guys, we're, we're taking in the life of Jesus. Well, those physical elements are about something deeper, spiritual, personal. We're taking in the life of Christ. And so friends, part of how we become partakers of God is we commune with him and we commune together of him. We take him in together. It's why we gather. It's why we fellowship. We, we do this together. It's, it's similar to the way that like, I love my wife's cooking. I never tire of it. But I also really enjoy going to a friend's house and having a meal with them because I'm enjoying the company, but I'm also tasting food they've made. Now, I tasted some killer soup about a week or so ago that Dawn made our family. And I love my wife's chicken noodle soup, but Dawn, oh my gosh. (laughs) And we got some sourdough bread and like, it was money. It was money. I've tasted soup before. I've tasted good soup before. I never had that soup before. It was good. It enriched. It was tasty. Does this make sense, friends? We partake of him together. So we partake of what? His divine nature. His divine nature. That means his nature, his essence, um, his qualities, his attributes. 
but it, it are the, this is the qualities and the attributes that are uniquely his and that proceed or come only from him. And so I can only enjoy these things if I'm enjoying him. See, I think I might know a little bit about love, but until I partake of the love of God, I know nothing about love. I don't really understand what deep sacrificial love really is until I partake of God's love. Not just hear someone tell me that God is love, but receive it in my own life. Understand the depths of his sacrificial love and what it means for me. I partake of it. Is this making sense? See, we need to, per, personal experience, partaking, it means I'm partaking of him as he is, not as I want him to be. This is so essential. There is a lot Human nature is prone to this and it happens in our culture big time. There's a lot of just sort of like pasting onto God our own versions of what we think he's like. There's a lot of redefinitions of what love means. There's a lot of redefinitions of what justice means. But I'm not experiencing the real him if I'm just sort of pasting on what I want him to be like or what my definition of love is, and I put that on him and go, that's God's love. No, 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 no. Partaking of him means I receive from him what he says he's like. I discover him for who he really is. This might be a silly analogy, but I don't know, it makes sense to me. Um, we got a couple of different pets in our house. And uh, one of the pets that we have, I never really agreed to, it was a one-night rescue job that has now turned into several years. We have a cat. I am not a cat person. I'm a dog person. I'm fine if you are a cat person. That's great. I'm just, I'm not a cat person. I'm a dog person. Well, part of why I'm a dog person is my dog just loves me, happy to be there, takes me as I am. If I want to go like lay on him, mess around, he just takes it. Sure, great. I'm just happy that you're paying attention to me. But our cat is like the total opposite. And, and I know there probably are some cats that are cuddly. Ours is not. Our, our cat is its own creature and it wants to be kind of left to its own devices. And so here's the interesting thing that happens in our house with our cat. Every single member of our house loves our cat, thinks our cat is really cute and therefore wants to force it to snuggle with them. Guess what happens when they try to force our cat to snuggle with them? At best, it runs away. At worst, they get scratched, bit, clawed till they drop it. And they're all sad because they're trying to force this cat to want to snuggle with them. Now, what's interesting about our cat is every now and then she kind of decides, I could use a little warmth. I could use a little snuggle on my own terms. You know where our cat goes for that snuggle? Me! Because I ignore it, I don't like it, I leave it alone. It wants its space and I'm fine with that. So I give her her space. So because I respect her nature and her space and I leave her alone, she's like, oh, okay, you'll take me as I am. Well, 
then she knows I'm safe because I'm not gonna like grab her and hold her and force her to get there. So she'll come up and she'll snuggle and sit next to me and purr. And if I'm on my phone, you know, she's like knocking my hand out of the way and rubbing my face. Like it drives me crazy. I don't love this cat. But why, why am I saying all of this? God's not a cat, but if we're trying to force him into the box we want, instead of taking him as he is, we'll never experience that connection with him that he's made us for. Like, I've got to take him on his terms. Friends, I think some of us have not experienced intimacy with God because I'm trying to get him to meet me on my terms. This is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. Instead of going, man, you're God. Like my cat thinks it's God, but he is God. And so what if I were to meet him on his terms? What if I were to come to him as he is, meeting him on those terms and see what I might discover there? Change everything. So I wanna give you a practical example of this before we move on. How do we partake? Because like I said, there's 101 attributes. I mean, how do we do this? There's so much to discover. I just, I wanna give you an example. So one of his divine attributes is that he is omnipresent. Okay, that means he's everywhere at once. There's no place where he doesn't exist. So that's just a fact about him. He's everywhere all the time. This fact is rooted in the scripture. Couple of examples, Proverbs 15, verse three. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Okay, cool. He sees everything all the time. If I just take that quickly at face value, it might even really intimidate me. Oh man, he sees me all the time when I'm good and when I'm evil. Like if I just take that face value, maybe that makes me feel like, oh man, I can't get away or he always sees me or gosh, I should feel really guilty that he saw me in that moment here or that thought I had. But, but like, it's just, it's a fact about him. It's information about him. His eyes are everywhere. He sees everything. How I experience that fact, how I perceive that fact, well, do I experience it through the lens he intends me to experience it? Does he, does he mean for that to scare me or push me away from him? It sure scared Adam and Eve. When they blew it, what'd they do? They ran and hid. But they didn't have to. I wonder how the story would have turned out different if they hadn't. But I do the same thing. Next verse, Psalm 137, or sorry, Psalm 139, beginning in verse seven. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. See, David is showing us how to partake. He starts with just the concept. You're everywhere. I can't get away from you. But then he makes it personal. So wherever I'm going, Lord, you're there leading me. You take me by the hand. So how do, how do I partake of this? Well, I can give you an example of how I'm partaking of this right now. A big part of my heart is on the other side of a huge ocean right now. My daughter's in Switzerland. Guess who is not omnipresent? I'd love to be right now, but I'm not. 
I'm not there. I can't see her. I can't take care of her. That's really difficult. Like, for real. It's new territory for me. It can even be scary. But if I partake of the fact that the God who loves me and loves my daughter is omnipresent and I partake of that, then suddenly some of these verses come alive. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. Why? For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. His omnipresence isn't just meant to be some weird, impersonal thing like God sees everything. It's meant to give me strength. It's meant to give me courage because he's with me and he won't forsake me. I don't have to be in fear or dread of what she might face because he's with her and he's taking care of her. Is this making sense? See, this is how I move from just knowing a thing about him to partaking of it in my life today. And there are all kinds of ways. If we just look, just to look over the last week, the last year, what are all the ways where just this one attribute of God might penetrate my life and change things when I understand he's everywhere. He sees all the things I don't see. He understands them. See, I, I can be rooted in what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Right? They're this small, simple thing. There's many of them. They're, they're inexpensive, two sparrows. And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I love that. See, God's omnipresence is tied to his love for me. He's not just omnipresent. He's love. It's one of his divine attributes. So him being everywhere and seeing everything I go through, he values me. He treasures me. He loves me. And so it's linked. I'm highly valued. So he sees me in all circumstances and is there for me. He sees my daughter in all circumstances and he's there for her. Are y'all seeing how this fits together? So this leads into the third point, last thing this morning. Y'all are doing great. Kids, y'all are doing awesome. Good job. Last point. Here's how this works. As I explore his nature and I partake of it myself, here's what should start to happen. My life realigns itself with reality. I, I realign my life with the reality of God in whom I live and move and have my being. I realign my life. And so as I partake and begin to enjoy his very great and precious promises, what happens is I'm growing in my relationship with him by exploring and partaking, and it leads to point three. I change. My nature changes. His nature that I'm partaking of changes my nature, my character. I grow. I grow. Here's how, here's how Peter wraps up all of this. This idea of us exploring, discovering, partaking. 
what do we do with that? Very next verse, verses five through eight. For this reason, in light of everything we've talked about this morning, for this reason, make every effort. Make every effort to supplement. That word supplement, it means to furnish, like in the context of furnishing a house. Or in another context, it means nourishment. Nourishment. So make every effort to furnish your life. Make every effort to be nourished in your life. Add to this, add to your faith, virtue. Virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, self-control. Self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love. Look at verse eight. For, the, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they're yours and they're increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in what? In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if they keep me from being ineffective, then that means if these qualities are mine and are increased, then I am effective and I am fruitful in my knowledge of the Lord. Now, that was a mouthful. That was a lot of stuff. But if we remember this is a journey, it's not I gotta hurry up and get this list together. No, I, I am exploring God. I'm partaking of what he's like. I'm watching it integrate into my life and I'm changing more and more. I'm becoming more rooted and grounded in him. I'm becoming more like him as my nature changes. And so it's this idea of, it's, it's applying what I'm learning. It's aligning with what I'm learning. It's integrating his life into my life. It's cooperating with what he wants to do. I am participating with him. I'm taking it in and it's nourishment to my body. I'm taking these things of, of God's nature and character and they're like furniture in my house. And I become at home with him. And as I become at home with him, he rubs off on me. Now, I want to finish with just a little picture of this. Because this, I was like, I was like, man, how do I explain this? So you might not have seen this, and it's okay if you haven't. You can watch it on your own. But I want to try to give you this visual. Saw this really cool documentary a while back with my family called The Biggest Little Farm. Anybody seen this documentary? The Biggest Little Farm. It's really cool. These people set out to create a farm that was in full cooperation with nature. That was their concept. And so their whole idea is we're gonna take this piece of land and we want it to be as diverse as it can possibly be. We wanna create an entire ecosystem. This isn't, there's the rows of corn over there and there's this. It was, we're gonna have fruit trees we're going to have grasses growing. We're going to grow all kinds of different fruits and vegetables. We're going to have animals on the farm. We're also going to learn to cooperate with all of the natural wild animals that live here. So the birds that want to come and eat the fruit and, you know, the, the coyotes that come in. And what happened is over years, as, as all of these pieces were added, it was hard work and it was difficult and it didn't always go well. And they had some years where the crops didn't produce a whole lot. And there were times where coyotes were getting in with the chickens. 
But as they became more and more integrated with the entire ecosystem around them, there was, there was literally this just cooperating with the nature of that place and it worked. And they, they found a rhythm and a blending where, you know what, like those snails that show up that wanna eat our fruit trees, well, our ducks love snails. So we'll just let them into there to eat the snails. And then guess what happens? The ducks are then pooping all around our trees. And so what are we having? We're having some natural, um, wow, what's the word I just lost? Fertilizer, thank you. Some fertilizer. And like, and I, I'm, I'm doing a really bad job of describing the beauty of this scene, but they lived in cooperation with the nature of that environment. And they enjoyed the beauty of what God had always intended. Friends, that's just a glimpse of what I'm trying to talk about this morning. If we will set our hearts to explore and discover and know God and his nature as an aim, and if I purpose to make myself home with him, to partake of him, and I'm willing to do the hard work of letting what he's like be integrated into my life. And the more that I realize his omnipresence fits in with his great love for me and fits in with the fact that he's all powerful, but he's also all knowing and he's a God of justice, yet he brings mercy. And I begin to see how this all layers together so that me and this broken world is being redeemed by the nature of this beautiful, loving, powerful, miraculous, miraculous God, my life begins to cooperate with the reality that God has always intended. And I find myself in cooperation with the very redemption of this world. And I won't experience it perfectly this side of heaven, but man, I'll get a really good taste. And I'll become more and more at home with the loving, perfect God who wants to redeem this world. Friends, this is the life I want to live. This is the church community I want to be a part of. This is how God reaches the city of Knoxville. This is what discipleship is all about. Guys, this is the whole purpose of our church. Like if, if we commit our hearts to growing as disciples of Jesus, to exploring him, to partaking of him, to aligning our lives with him. And we do it together in fellowship with one another. It will always be imperfect. It will be difficult along the way, but we will begin to watch his nature and his life permeate our lives, our families, our church community. And we can be like Paul in Athens and say to Knoxville, the city that we know and love, Come and see the unknown God. He's not as far away as you think. Taste, see, discover, explore him. And you'll find the very purpose of your life. I want to be a part of that. Anybody else want to live like that? Amen. Amen. Wherever we are in our walk with him, there is more to be discovered. Don't get tired of exploring. There's more to partake and enjoy.
and our lives can become more and more integrated into the very nature and character of God. And how glorious it'll be to watch that growth and that change happen. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. And thank you that somehow in our broken state and with our finite minds, yet we can know you. You make yourself known. God, may we set our hearts to seek, to explore, to partake, and to watch your nature integrate into our lives so that our nature is changed. We love you. We worship you. And we just say one more time to you, even in this moment, God, we commit our hearts to following you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.